Welcome to In the Weeds Podcast. I'm your host, Derek, and this is episode six. So while we're waiting for our uh, special guest to give us a call, I figure I'll catch you up on what I've been up to lately. Um, last episode, I talked with Josh on episode five, uh, mostly about photography and choppers, uh, a little bit about skateboarding, and... That's gotten a pretty good reception so far. So if you listen to number five, I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully I'll have some more interesting content for you coming up to get you through these long winter months. Um, so recently I had the chance to get down to Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, went and met up with Stephen, who you may know on Instagram as at Cape Fear Iron. Uh, got to check out his collection of really sweet vintage parts. Uh, if you get a chance, check him out on Instagram, especially if you're in the southeast region. Uh, he does sell some really cool stuff. And if you're looking for something uh, and you're down that way, he's he's definitely worth uh, getting in touch with because I'd be surprised if he doesn't have it. Now, whether or not he wants to sell it might be a different story, but uh, he's got a great collection. And it was a pleasure to hang out with him and talk bikes and see some of his stuff. Uh, had a really good time with that. Uh, after I left his place, I went over to Thunderhead Tattoo, um, which is the headquarters of Custom Destruction. Uh, if you don't know who Custom Destruction is, that is Wes. Uh, you've probably heard him on a pat- podcast in the past. Uh, he was part of the team that did Writers on the Norm. Um, again, if you're in this area, I'm sure you know Wes and you know they're still doing podcasts. Uh, really cool to hang out and see where he does his helmets. Uh, I got to try some helmets on and uh, see how he does his process. Um, unfortunately, I didn't really get to take a lot of pictures of the process. Uh, he cleaned up the shop pretty good. And uh, no surprise, you know, when, when you're a craftsperson, you, you probably don't want to put your, your stuff out there. Um, unfortunately, it's just one of those things that you know, you want to share what you know and share your knowledge, but at the same time, if you're in business, giving away your secrets probably isn't that great for business, right? But, um, you know, Wes was pretty cool about showing me everything and how he does it, and uh, got to talk about some exciting stuff that he's working on. So definitely, you know, if you're not already, go check out uh, Custom Destruction. He's got some really sweet uh, windbreakers. And me being a, uh, you know, 90s punk rocker, hardcore kid, I definitely have some love for windbreakers. And the one that he's selling right now is really nice quality. Oh, we got to Hello. Oh, hold on. I got to get you on audio here. We're recording. All right. Can you hear me now? Yeah. What's up, man? <laughs> Not much. How you doing? 
Good, how are you? I'm doing great. So I've already got audio set up. We can roll right into this if you're ready. Uh, those of you listening at home, this is Corey. I'll let him introduce himself, and we'll roll right into it. Uh, yeah, what's up? I'm uh, I'm Corey Blizzard. Um, I'm in Half Moon, North Carolina, Jacksonville, North Carolina. And uh, me and a couple of my buddies do the Old Testament motorcycle thing. Awesome. So I was just talking about uh, being down in uh, Wilmington and about uh, being at Thunderhead Tattoo and hanging out with Wes down there, checking out his operation. Yeah. So that's a perfect segue. Wes is a rad dude. That's uh, right up the road or down the road from you, right? Yeah, it's like, it's like 45 minutes for me. It's not that far at all. Yeah. So Where are all the cool kids are at? Down in Wilmington? Man, there, there are some nice bikes down in Wilmington. I'm not going to lie, man. <laughs> Uh, Wilmington is a much, much, much better scene than Jacksonville. Yeah, but Jacksonville has a Tar Hill, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> so, you know, I, you know I've, I've got a little bit of a connection with Jacksonville. I go down there every once in a while. Um, I've been going down there for years. So, um, But, you know, we didn't meet that way. I actually met Corey through, um, I think it was through Instagram, actually. Um, when we first started up in the weeds, you were one of the early guys and we were talking about winter projects last year and that's when you were working on, uh, the Wildwood, uh, Ironhead, right? Yeah. The Wildflower. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Wildflower. Wrong bluegrass song. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man. Uh, you know, I, I don't mean to just put you on the spot like that. I wasn't expecting just to get a call. So, uh, but we're already recording. We're just going to roll right into it because that's kind of how I roll. So, um, you know, I, I definitely want to get a chance to talk about what you're doing now. But let's talk about, you know, um, let's talk about last year. Let's back up a little bit because that was a big year for you, right? The biggest. So the- it was. Uh- it's just insane. The the whole year has just been wild. Definitely. So, um, you know, Wildflower, um, those of you that don't know, well, if you go and check out the Instagram, you're going to recognize the bike because, uh, like, if you're into this, then you've seen it, right? Because um, Dean took your picture, and Dean's one of the best photographers on the East Coast, if not in the country. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that photo came out. Well, he did a few of you with the bike and the portraits. That came out amazing. I love Dean's work, and, you know, it's great because as soon as you see his work, you, it's it's immediately recognizable. Nobody does it like him, you know, with those crazy cameras and super narrow depth of field. And I'm, I'm trying not to go too nerdy on the photography stuff on this episode, but I'm still a photo nerd at heart. No, no, it's, I was fascinated. Um, I met him at... I met him at the congregation show, and I was talking to him. Like, um, I want to say it was, I want to say it was Friday afternoon. I got there and I was hanging out with a really good friend of mine, Zach Gibbons, and Dean was taking some pictures of Zach, and that's how I. That's when I first started talking to him, and he was just. It was like a like an instant friend, you know. It was like a really really rad dude. So the next day. Uh, during the show, I was just kind of like wandering around with like stars in my eyes, looking at everything and seeing all of these like super rad dudes and 
he was like, oh, you know, I'll take some pictures of you and your bike. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? Okay. <laughs> Hell yeah. And uh, I, I don't know. It's like, it's like a, well, that's my mom's Christmas present is a picture of me. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, you know, um, What's funny is that there's also a big wedding going on that weekend. So most of the people I know from down there, like, pop smoke and, and were gone by the time I got to the show because I was hanging out with a bunch of my Richmond friends. So we didn't actually get to see each other then. Um, and I was bummed that I still haven't seen the bike in person. I've only seen photos of it on Instagram, you know. I, this coming summer, I want to do a whole lot more riding on the motorcycle. I didn't really get a chance, honestly, like to ride it too much because I was working a lot. And I have the green bike is like my baby, you know, the the road king. I love that motorcycle so much, and I I just get on it and go and forget about everything else. Yeah, no, the road king's killer. Um, so, and I know the story on the Road King, but but help us out here. Tell us about the Road King and and what you've done to it to make it yours, and uh, you know a little bit of the history on that because I think that's pretty awesome. Well, yeah. So the the Road King, um, it was my dad's, and um, my dad had a pretty serious. Uh, set of strokes that kind of put him out of the game. He's in a wheelchair now, and he wound up selling the bike. And um, the guy that he sold the bike to, he's like a family friend. He came and got the bike and put it in his garage, but he never actually came through with any money. So, like, maybe six months, maybe a year. I think it was like a year went past, and I had mentioned it to my dad, and he was like, no, he never gave me the money. So me and my friend, we went and got the bike, and brought it back to my dad's, and I was just going to help him sell it. And uh, some of my friends, they were like, "Oh, it's your dad's motorcycle. Why don't you try and get it?" This and that. And I was like, "It's a, you know, it's a full touring road king with a, a fucking trunk and stuff on it. It's not really my. It's nothing against it. It's just not really what I'm into. You know, if my dad needs the money, whatever. So, but anyways, I wound up making him an offer on it and uh he sold me the bike at like a super super good deal under the assumption that i was just going to keep it as you know like a regular motorcycle to to do whatever with now you know the first thing to go was front brakes i think <laughs> I think that was the very first thing i took off of the front brake just started stripping it down um yeah, me and me, Will Jones, Brian Major, Zach Gibbons, um, Annabelle, Bruce, a bunch of us rode to Daytona, uh, not this past year, the year before that. And I still had bags on that Road King, but I jockey shifted it. I put a jockey shift set up on it, like on a Wednesday, and like had rode it for the first time with a with a foot clutch Wednesday night and then Thursday morning we woke up and we rode to Daytona. Uh, that was interesting. And I spent the whole ride there and the whole ride back thinking about how I was going to fix it when it broke. Cause I knew it was going to break and it never broke. And I pulled into Will's, Will's driveway that night after the trip and had a flat clutch. It went all the way down and I was like, Holy shit. That's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah. That's the the little story on the road king. I love that bike. That's 
it's by far my most favorite motorcycle I've ever ridden. It's fast, it's really, really heavy, and everybody else was scared to ride it. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that you put a Springer on it, because that is the only Road King I've ever seen with a Springer on it. And it's funny, because when you look at it, you know, obviously it looks big, but it's like, man, what is that? Is that like a, a Springer FXR? Like, it's just crazy looking, you know, but you handle it with like such grace and like, you know, you make it look cool, which I, is what I love about it is that, you know, it's instantly recognizable and you rock it, you know, like it's yours and everybody knows, hey, you know, that's Corey's bike. Like, it's so badass that, you know, because I think now like Thank people you. are so scared to go outside of the box, you know, like everybody's building the same bike. I mean, not everybody, but you know, there's so many bikes out there that, like, you, you go through Instagram and you're like, oh, yeah, I know that bike. That's a rad bike. But then you realize, oh, shit, that's that's a pan shovel. You know, the one I thought it was was a knucklehead, but that's somebody else's bike. But it looks just like it, you know. So Exactly. Exactly. And I really, like, I, I get caught up in, I get caught up in conversations, debates, honestly, sometimes. And I try really, really hard to not sound like a dick, but I see almost like I see like the same paint job sometimes. I see like the, like the same front end setups, which is cool, you know. And don't get me wrong, I come from I was into cars before I was into motorcycles. More specifically, I was into tuners. So I'm I'm from the world of copycats. You know what I mean? And I don't really. It's it's going to happen. Every all the cool shit's already been done, but it was especially with with the Road King. A lot of people were telling me like, "Oh no, you're not supposed to fucking do that," or "You can't do this," or "That's not going to work," or "That bike's too big to not have front brakes," this and that, yada yada. And I was like, "Man, it's just I just want to do something that's cool, or I just want to ride something that's cool," you know. At that time, at that specific time, if I would have had the money to go out and buy, uh, if I could have bought an Evo chop or a fucking shovel head chop or something that was that, that was almost all the way done, then I probably would have gone that route. But at, at that time, that's what I had to work with. I tried to make it as cool as I could. Yeah, definitely. I think it's cool. That's I think it's awesome, and that's to me is the spirit of chopping, right? Like, I mean, you know, and and I'm not bagging on anybody that does whatever, you know, and and you know, even like the bike that I built, you know, kind of is in that realm of of the shit that the cool kids want, you know, sort of. But you know, I don't have matching cases. I mean, so the bike that I want to build next <laughs> is is directly, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm with that, right. So with your iron head, um, you know, uh, there's definitely some crazy shit on that bike that is like nothing I've never seen on another bike. And that's one of the things that like that you do, right, is that you come up with shit that hasn't been done yet. Um, you know, and the the first thing that comes to mind when I think of your bike is the the forward controls that you did. I think you called them like the pigeon toe setup. Yeah, the pigeon toe shifters. Yeah, yeah. It was it was kind of a uh, so I was I was at I was at the shop by myself and I was trying to put some stuff together and I was actually um, I'll go ahead and like reveal the top secret of the whole situation. I was high, I was stoned, and I put my um, I put my pedals on the wrong 
the wrong side of my mount. And when I realized it, I was like, oh, shit. And I set him up there, and I was like, hey, that's kind of cool. And I just kept going with it. And I, I got him up there and mounted it, and I was like, oh, man, that looks cool. I like the way that looks. I sat on the frame, and I was like, man, that's going to be a little annoying to to, you know, work with your feet, but whatever. I'm a pretty scrawny, lanky dude. And then I just made it, you know, made all the linkages and kept adding shit until it worked pretty much. Just kept making mistakes until it worked. Coordinated mistakes. There you go. There you go. So with with the uh, the metalworking, um, you know, I know that you were doing shifter knobs and stuff for a while, and I don't know if you're still doing that, but... Uh, you know, how did you learn how to machine like that? Was that something that you just, you know, would mess around with in the shop when you had time, or? Um, well, the so the guy that I was working for at the time, um, he was a super cool dude, and he had this lathe, and I was like, hey, if I go and pick up some scrap aluminum, this and that, whatever, do you care if I fuck with your lathe? And he was like, no, I have at it. So I would, you know, pretty much just burn through all my spare money uh, messing things up until things started working out right, you know, watching YouTube videos or or whatever, or like nicking up my hands, destroying tools and files, figuring out what worked. But when I did figure out how it worked, um, it was just, it, it was more of a... Uh, I don't know, it was like more of like a, some people go to the bar and get trashed. I would like sit on the lathe for a couple hours and make a shift knob. It was almost like a relaxing type thing to do. Yeah, and I picked up a couple of lowers. I knew like the process of shaving lowers. I just never done it myself. So I picked up a couple of junk lowers and went through the process of like figuring out you know, where to cut, what to cut how much to cut off, how fast to cut, this and that. And just kind of figured out my own little way to do it. That's awesome. So with the uh, with what you're doing now, you've got Old Testament motorcycles. And uh, I've always been curious, you know, what's the what's the story behind that? I mean, is it like, you know... Obviously, there's a biblical connection, but is it, like, ironic, or is it something that you're into? Like, you care to elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, so, it's it's kind of, uh, well, so first off, Old Testament Motorcycles is actually, it's four, it's four of us. It's um, myself, and it's Brian Major, um, his handle is B Major Tattooer, <clears throat> and he tattoos out of Jacksonville Tattoo Company, and he does... He's like all of the um, artwork, I guess you would say. Like, if, if Brian says it looks cool, it looks cool. Or at least that's my opinion. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, and then Cannon Herring, his his handle is Smoke Herring. Uh, he, he's like the social dude. He's the, for lack of better words, like, he's the good time guy. He's, he, you know, like, he's just making sure everybody's happy and... Everybody's getting along, and shit is getting put on social media in certain places. Um, and Dylan, uh, Tig Lynn, he's like, he's like the little brother of the group, you know. Um, 
so we were all we were all hanging out one day and we were talking about this tattoo that I was going to get and we were talking about keeping shit Old Testament like I don't know if you've ever like like that expression like people get real Old Testament about shit yeah no, and, I'm from um, California so that, that's yeah and, I, I'm sure it's more of a southern thing but <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, we were we were talking about certain things and I was I was like yeah man like fuck like let's just do like let's do our motorcycle shit let's you know like we'll keep it real Old Testament you know like Old Testament motorcycles and it, it literally it just that was it like from that day since it's just been OTM Old Testament motorcycles every day nonstop. Yeah, that's killer. Uh, definitely, you know, sticks with you. Like I heard it once and I instantly remembered it. You know, and it's it's I didn't know. Like I said, I'm I, there's a lot of southern expressions that I'm still learning after 12 years. <laughs> I didn't know the connection there. You know, but I was like, man. You know, I was like, oh, that's kind of weird, dude. Like, are these guys, like, super into, like, you know, but it wouldn't be that weird. But you know what I'm saying. It's just not yeah. something in the chopper. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Least, and you know? <laughs> and, and, like, well, me, uh, me especially, I guess since it is kind of like Old, Old Testament is sort of like my little baby, but um, I am. I'm super into, like, the stories from the Old Testament, like the splitting of the rock and the way things were handled, uh, just, and I suppose, you know, like if me personally, if I was going to, if I was going to put a lot of coin into something, then it would, it would probably be somebody that could smack me back like a vengeful type God. You know what I mean? Right. And that's just, that's just my little personal look on it. And I think it's kind of bled over into, into them. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. Like I said, it's good that you know there's a meaning behind it, and it's not just something that sounded cool. Although it does sound very cool. Yeah. So. Well, thank you. <laughs> I just think of like when I see it, I think of like Samuel L. Jackson. But you know, I didn't go to Sunday school, so all my references are pop culture. So. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, still, like that's. Oh, did I lose you? Right. Still there. Can you hear me? Yeah. Are you there? Oh yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> okay. I'm sitting in my I'm sitting in my truck right now. It's really cold and I don't dig the cold. <laughs> well, I mean if you need to go somewhere and get warm, man, <laughs> like we can, we can call me back. <laughs> no 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 no. It's uh <laughs> no 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 no. I was like, I'm gonna go sit in my truck, it's nice and warm and cozy and it's quiet and I can like hear things. Right. But no, I'm, I, uh, even, like, even at the back road, I still had on, like, four sweatshirts and thermals and everything like that. I'm always cold. Damn. Yeah, no, I was <laughs> definitely not me. I, I'm T-shirt all the time. Even now, like, it's wintertime, and I'm, I'm out in a T-shirt when it's, like, 50 degrees. So, which I know some of our friends that are in colder places are being, like, 50 degrees, that's fucking hot. But, you know, 50 degrees yeah, is kind of Yeah, <laughs> I don't see how they do it. I really don't. Um, I, I Will Will Jones. I used to ride around with him a lot, and he would be in a t-shirt, and I would have on like four t-shirts, two sweatshirts, a jacket, three pairs of socks. And he's like, "Man, what are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm fucking freezing, man. I'm just a really, really cold natured dude." 
And it's really ironic because my last name actually is Blizzard. <laughs> so I was wondering about that. I was like, you know, that's one of those. I was like, oh, maybe that's like a it's it's a, name, but it's weird when I introduce myself to people. They always kind of give me that look like I'm lying. I'm like, no, it's it's actually my it's actually my last name. That's not one I would make up. <laughs> that's crazy. So so what do you guys got going on with the shop then? I mean, where are you guys going? I know that you've been into. You know, different stuff. I've seen you post, you know, on like, uh, there's a little bit, what was it? Um, Was it the Kawasaki, like the sport bike thing that you were kind of, I don't know if you were looking at like like interceptors and like the nine to five right now. Well, the nine to six right now is um, I'm at Lejeune Motorsports in Jacksonville. And I'm doing, you know, working on Hondas, working on Kawasaki's and trying to, trying to do the OTM thing like throughout the day and after work and all that kind of stuff. Um, a, a really big like dream build of mine is to get it like a, like a ZX-10 and, and put that in a chopper, like in a hardtail frame, you know, oh, with yes. all the, all the guts and glory. <laughs> but, um, so into that, yeah, you know, like I said, I come from, I come from a metric background. Uh, my very first motorcycle was a uh, 85 GS 550, which is a great bike. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a great bike. I loved it. But there, you know, there was like a certain point where it's like I'm having a whole bunch of fun and I'm building a lot of cool things, but I'm not making very much money. And I'm a single dad. I'm 31 years old. You know, so. Just trying to do the adult thing for for a while and get get set set up the way it's supposed to be, you know. Right. Yeah. No, I, I'm I, I'm not sure if you know uh, if you know Bradbury or not. Um, but he's a old school Jacksonville dude, and you know we come from a background where we can pretty much only ride Harleys. <laughs> But if you yeah, yeah. you know, like Brad was really into like cafe racers and doing crazy shit. Even his shovel head was crazy looking. He had that um, shovel head with a like a cafe racer seat on it and 19 inch mags front and back. And you know, um, it's I love that stuff. Yeah, no, he did some crazy stuff. And then uh, I, I'm sure you, you know Pirate. Then not uh, Devil Dog Pirate, mm-hmm. but the other Pirate. Uh, I think he he works at at Lejeune Motorsports, right? Or he used to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And whenever I have questions about like metric stuff or Triumph stuff, that's my guy. You know, like I call my brother up, I'm like, "Yo, <laughs> what's up with this?" He's you know? super rad guy. Yeah. Super rad guy. He's like the Yoda of like, especially like old enduro shit. Like that guy, you know, he knows dirt bike stuff like nobody I've ever met in my life. And so. Um, actually, recently, all of my all of my heavy metric questions about you know what what will work with what I've been asking him lately. So that's like that's my little secret book of knowledge right now. Yeah, no, he's great, and that's you know I know Lejeune Motorsports like you know it, 
it's one of those things if you're not from that area you you just think that was another like corporate you know dirt bike metric shop but i know the mechanics back there are really knowledgeable and you know it, it's it's a good shop so shout out to those guys and i know pirate doesn't listen to podcasts because he's old and doesn't do that shit <laughs> but it's cool that we're talking about them because i fucking love them so you know but um yeah man so so i'm sorry we kind of diverged because i get excited talking about weird shit you know um but what's up with that buell what are you doing with that you still got that i do i do so i bought that buell and i've kind of it had um it had like a few things on it that i wanted to change and i'm i'm kind of trying to do some other stuff with it with uh like with Lejeune Motorsports but I'd really like to track that bike um it's not you know it's not the heaviest hitter by no means but for what it is uh there's I mean Eric Jewell was a fucking genius uh hands down genius um and I'd really like to enjoy what that motorcycle was meant for you know what I mean yeah, no, that'd be killer for a track day bike, you know, because it's not, it's not super hairy, like, you know, trying to go out there on a Gixxer or an R1, you know, where you're going to kill yourself, but you can really, you know, exactly get in that flow and, and find that line. And, you know, it, I've always said, and, and I, you know, I've kind of come from more of a, uh, my background's kind of weird with bikes, but I've had a lot of different bikes, you know, and I've always told people it's more fun to drive a slow bike fast than it is to ride a slow bike or a fast bike slow. Um, you know, like riding a, I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I'll never forget being in San Diego. I had a buddy of mine that that guy could just ride, you know, and he could, he was fast on anything. It didn't matter what it was. And we were up in like these like crazy desert mountain roads that were just pretty gnarly and he was on a Honda Scrambler, and like there was dudes on Ducatis and like really fast Triumph 750 Cafe Racers and shit. And this guy was on like a little Honda Scrambler 305, and he smoked us all. He was the first one up the hill, you know, because um, he could. Ride. And probably having a blast the whole time. Oh, definitely. I mean, he he was just nothing but you know ear to ear grinning because he was ringing that bike out, you know, where everybody else was, you know, you can't. They may be fast in a straight line or fast on track, but you get in a desert mountain road up in the canyons in San Diego, and it doesn't matter how much power you have. It's it's how good you ride, you know. Exactly. Yeah, uh, man. I've had that. I've had the road king up in the mountains in North Carolina, and there's been. I've gone from having a really really big grin to having a really really tight butthole real fast. <laughs> Man, and and you said that you're you're good friends with Zach, so I know you've ridden with him, and and like, I was on uh, no shit, like a, I was on like a new softtail, like one fourteen, and and Zach was on his shovelhead chopper, no front brake, jockey shift, and we were going through Cherokee Mountain area. And we hit this one spot, and he just got on it. And I've never been so scared in my life. And I'm, like, front, back, disc brake, uh, you know. And I was just like, well, he's got 65-mile gas tank, so I'm sure I'll just meet him at the next gas station. I let him go. You know, I wasn't even trying to keep up with him. 
you know, because like Zach is the fastest chopper rider I've ever ridden with. You know, I'm not saying he's the fastest. I, I love Zach. <laughs> one of my one of my most favorite memories with Zach is not not this past year, but the year before that at Twin Rivers on the ride. Me and him were next to each other, and we came around this corner. We're going down a mountain, and we start drag racing a little bit. I'm on the road king, and he's on the shovel head, and we're drag racing a little bit. And neither one of us have got front brakes or anything like that. And we're hauling ass, and he looks over at me, and he's smiling as big as he can. He's like, not bad for a shovel head, and he just keeps on ripping. I'm like, man, this dude's fucking wild, and I love it. He's he's a really, really, really good dude. He's, he's in the high, the highest of, of my book. Oh, definitely. No, that's one of the coolest guys I've had the pleasure of meeting this year. Um, and, and hanging out with and riding with, you know, uh, great fucking guy. But yeah, I still can't believe how fast he is. Like, I'm just like, fuck man. The way he, he handles those, those mountain roads. I mean, he's, that's where he lives, but it's just like, damn dude. Like when you're riding with him up there, you definitely know that that's his home. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I did live you in see, Did you see the picture of, um, of his Springer when it broke? Yeah, yeah, I heard the story too. That's a pretty good story. <laughs> that, oh my God, man. It's like, Jesus Christ. The funniest part about that story, though, is that when he was talking about how he was going to straighten it out, like, and, and I heard the story secondhand, and then I reconfirmed it with him because I wanted to hear it from Zach because Zach's just funny, and I fucking love how he tells stories. But, like, he was no shit thinking about, like, driving it into something to straighten it out. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's his, yes, yeah, that's Zach Gibbons, yeah. He, um, he put it on, I can't remember, it was on Instagram, I can't remember if it was on his page or what, but he was looking for a front end. And I hit him up, I had that, I had that uh, twisty front end. And I was like, yo, man, like, if you want it, it I would rather you have it than anybody else. Um, my mom was going to Tennessee that weekend, so it kind of worked out where she could drop it off with him. And the first time I saw it on the bike was not not that long afterwards at Congregation, and he's like ripping wheelies on this thing. He's like, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm still trying to get it to set in a little bit, and he's busting like three-foot wheelies. I'm like, God damn, dude, you're fucking crazy, dude. Yeah, 100%, man. He goes hard, like, <laughs> yeah. Super hard. <laughs> That's part of the reason I can't wait till you know, like, uh, th this has been out of, I've been out here for like 12 years, you know, but this is by far like the hardest winter I've ever had because I'm just like chomping at the bit. I'm like, man, when is like, you know, because there's really not a whole lot happening, especially out here in the, in the Southeast, you know, like there's things that are going on up North, you know, with, with, um, cheap thrills and stuff. And that shit's all cool, you know, but it's not the same as when we get down down here, you know, like, and, and if you're listening from another area and you haven't been to things like Backyard Barbecue and the Grundle and Congregation, you, you need to hit them because there's nothing else like partying down here and riding down here. And the people that you meet down here, it's, it's, it's totally different. It's, uh, the backers, uh, with the Grundle, Jesus, the, uh, the the grundle is those boys. Um, 
yes, I would I would say that this this um the the southeast we we tend to get a little rowdy. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I, and I know you you weren't able to make the Grundle this year, but man, it was fucking insane. Like it was the best party I've been to. Well, I shouldn't say it's the best party. It's like on my top five, but it's up there. You know, like. It just and, and what's so cool about it, and one of those things, again, like, you know, I come from California, and I, when I came out here, I didn't know anybody, you know, and then when I started hanging out and riding, I was riding with dudes that, you know, were a little bit, I'll just say, more conservative, and, you know, I wasn't going to really chopper events. I didn't really know about any of them, and then we used to call him Hampton Corey or Porkchop Corey. Um, he's now up in New Jersey. But he took me down to the smokeout, and that was like my first real experience down here of like, you know, how things go down down here. And the smokeout that was a couple of years ago, but that was wild, you know. And I thought, but man, it doesn't the get smokeout's wild. Else. <laughs> but then I show up to the Grundle, and it's like pro wrestlers and 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 you know all kinds of crazy shit, and it just gets crazy. Like every time I don't, th- I think I've seen it all. I go to another party and I see some shit that I didn't ever expect, you know? Well, that's how, <clears throat> that's really how I've been trying to, uh, so I meet, okay, in Jacksonville, so you know Jacksonville, Jacksonville is a pretty motorcycle-wise, it's a pretty conservative area. Right. The quote-unquote, like, chopper guys are kind of few and far between, and they tend to, like, stick to themselves, and that's that's just how the area is. So, like, when I meet somebody and they're on a bike or whatever, I'm like, yo, you got to, like, like back road or, like, Twin Rivers or the Grundle or, you know, something like, you got to come to one of these. These are, like, actual, like, throw down, get fucking crazy type parties. You know what I mean? Yeah, but what's the, crazy um, is... In like- the back road, I was so blown away by the back road this past year. Like, when we showed up, and that was sort of, like, the little original birth of Old Testament motorcycles with the four of us hanging out there. But, um, like, that area, the like, the campground, you know what I mean? Right. It's, like, the, the craziest place ever. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I, I, hope, I hope that it's there every year from now on. Yeah, and I think it will be. And I know, you know, talking to Luke and, and Ronnie, like, they want to do more stuff and... You know, um, I, I know they're talking about doing like quarterly things. You know, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's it's awesome. But backing up to Jacksonville a little bit, you know, um, and we're talking about Jacksonville, North Carolina, not Florida. For those of you not in this area that don't know that, yeah, uh, you know, Jacksonville, like in the '80s, was like choppers everywhere. And some of the old guys that I know from that area that you talk to, you know, and you look at old pictures and stuff and they'll tell you about it. And, you know, like it's crazy how many like choppers were in Jacksonville. And a lot of those guys are still around and still have them. Um, But, you know, like you said, they if you've never been there, it's different. It's not like going to these events, you know, like you go to like the crash in the grass used to be. Uh, it used to be a bike show. Um, now you go to the Crash mm-hmm. in the Grass, and it's, you know, you might see a few old cool bikes that people bring out, but, you know, it's mostly going to be baggers and, and dinas, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's, 
it's uh, it's very understandable, you know, like the way the the way the scene revolves, you know, um, and it's it kind of sucks because I know that there's some badass motorcycles around here. Oh yeah, and the dudes just aren't into it no more. You know what I mean? Or they're still into it, but they kind of look at some of the newer generation stuff and it's just, it's, it might not be the same to them. You know what I mean? Right. Well, maybe I mean, yeah. we're doing things a little heavier or not as heavy or, you know, whichever, whatever the case may be. But it's, it's, it is a weird situation because I do know that there's some super, super, super rad motorcycles around here. And I know that in the eighties, especially like the mid eighties, like chopping was, Chopping motorcycles was a thing here. Oh, yeah, yeah called that hogs in the eighties. <laughs> and also, the the tattoo scene that used to be here. You know, like don't get me wrong, like there's there's a bunch of like super kick ass tattoo artists here now, and there's a lot of tattoo shops here now. But back in the day, like the mid eighties, the the late eighties, the tattoo shops that were here and and the tattoos that were getting pumped out of this small little area. Yeah, it's wild. Right. And those of you that don't the, know, Lejeune is one of the biggest um, marine bases on the East Coast. and that's Yeah, that's exactly what I was getting ready to say, that yeah. the military, the, the Marine Corps, makes this town. You know what I mean? Right. And, and it's weird because you can always tell, like, you know, because when there's, when there's a, you know, we're hot and heavy in a war, everybody's gone. And the town, you know, there's still people there and people in training and people that are stationed there are rotating through. But, you know, there's those periods of, of drawdown and buildup when you're in a military town that if you've never lived in a military town, you probably haven't experienced before. But it's like it is completely different, you know, like, I, you know, and, and you're a little bit younger than me. So, I, you know, you're probably too young for the bar scene after post 9-11 but you know Jacksonville after 9-11 everybody was gone <laughs> like everybody was deployed you know and it was totally different you know and, and now we're kind of in that drawdown period again where you know there's just not as many people in the military and you know so it, it there's still a lot going on in Jacksonville there's a lot of people in Jacksonville and a lot of people that ride but it's it's different, you know, and it's always rotating people through. So it's always a young generation, you know, like I think something like 70% of the Marines that are stationed at Lejeune are like guys in their twenties, you know, so they're always going to be into yeah. whatever is current right now. You know, it's like the, the Dynaboy sportster, you know, hot rod bike thing. And there's mm-hmm. a ton of that down there, you know, guys with really fast Dynas and really fast sportsters with the T bars and the upgraded suspension. And then, you're in this like flat ass. I mean, like, fucking don't don't <laughs> get me wrong. It, that's cool too. You know, like if that's your thing, that's your thing. It just um, it it sucks being on like the chopper side of it. You know what I mean? Like trying to trying to like talk to like a hot rod motorcycle guy about choppers and him being like, why why are you wasting your time on that dumb shit? You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, it's cool. And they're like, it's fucking slow. And I'm like, but it's fun. And they're like, it's, it's dumb. And I'm like, oh, you should ride one. <laughs> right. And I tell those guys too, you know, because I appreciate fast bikes. And I came from, you know, in San Diego where like there was places that you could really go out and ride. And I'm like, man, you've got, you're putting all this money into this like FXR, this Dyna. 
I was like, but you live in the fucking swamp. Like, there's nothing but flat, straight roads out here. And it's a little bit more fun to ride down in Jacksonville than up in the Norfolk area. Norfolk's really flat, really... Like, we've got one area in Pungo that's kind of fun to ride at. But even that's shitty because the roads are so shitty and there's sand all over the roads, you know. And it's it's sketchy. Oh, that sucks. (laughs) You know, whereas, like... But, you know, same thing. You go down in Jacksonville, there's some badass back roads you can go ride down. But it's scary because there's like big ass trees, and you go off the road. That shit is unforgiving down there. That shit kills people, you know. Oh yeah. Oh, um, well, like fucking old thirty. You know that road, old thirty. Oh yeah. Off of Piney Green. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> it's gnarly. Like it's if you if you don't know the area and you go tearing through there, you're like you're gonna get hurt, you know. Um, yeah, you're gonna get real hurt. It's what the just the road, how windy it is, and the the damn potholes around here. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. You catch a pothole on there's um I don't know if you're if you're super familiar with it, but uh, Henderson Henderson um, in Jacksonville has like this pothole that goes all the way across the road and there's no avoiding it and you have to go that way to get to my job and I hit it all the time <laughs> with my motorcycle and I think my Springer is going to come apart every single time. It's the craziest thing. And I don't know. It's, you know, I've seen dudes, I'm slowing down to like creep over it and I see other guys like blast over it and almost dump their shit. Fuck. Yeah. No, it's crazy out there. I know, like, like at night, it's so dark. Like, riding from, you know, like, from the Armed Forces house to the Tucko house at night, like, if you don't know that area, it's fucking scary, dude. Like, and those guys yeah, are last, you know? scary. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, slow down. <laughs> if you haven't guessed, I, I like to ride slow, <laughs> so that, that's my thing. Mm-hmm. That's why I love choppers and small gas tanks, because I can ride slow and stop every hour. It's the best, you know? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, people people talk about my bike, like, on the Road King, like, oh, you got that giant tank, and it's like, yeah, I got a five-gallon tank, but I got a one-gallon ass, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm trying to, like, stop and stretch. Right. So so with your guys' shop that you're doing, I mean, you know, you said you're pretty much doing after hours, but so is that something that, like, you know, say, for instance, like, I've got uh, a six, and I actually do have a 61 Sportster basket case, Right, and I'm like, man, I want to do something cool with this. Are you? Can we like hit you guys up and be like, hey, these are the ideas I have, but you know, I don't have the skills, you know, and and maybe you have better ideas. Like, how do I make this a reality? Because I got this crazy idea, and I know you guys are the ones that build crazy shit. You know, is, is that something you guys fuck with, or how does that work? Absolutely, absolutely. We're um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to do more things. Um, it's, I mean, there's not. Why can't Why can't the days be 48 hour long days? You know what I mean? Um, I'm trying to do more stuff and get more motorcycles in to do more things. Trying to finish up right now. I'm working on uh, Cannon Herring's bike. He's got a 83 40 that. I'm chopping up, um, and I've been putting little things on Instagram here and there, but um, really trying to, like, pull out some difficult things that I didn't think were going to work, but now I'm seeing that I can make it work. But, um, yeah, no, absolutely. I would I would 100% love 
to do anything in regards to motorcycles, and especially uh, in the sense of being able to put my weird little spin on things. You know what I mean? Right. So have you ever thought about... I have... Um, do what? No, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No, I was going to ask, like, so, you know, uh, People's Champ, like Biltwell, took that over, you know, a couple years ago or last year or whatever. You know, um, is, is that something that you guys have ever considered trying to get into or something like what's the, the Greasy Dozen or anything like that? Um... Okay, yes, yeah. Uh, So, Jim, Panhead Jim, um, he's like, I refer to him sometimes like my number one supporter. He's the one that's always been like, hey, why don't you try and do this? Or why don't you try and do this? Or why don't you, to be honest with you, like, when when the prison cats did the congregation and said, like, I could bring my motorcycle there, when I got down there, I was like, man, like, fucking thank you, you know, like, y'all don't have, like, there's some badass motorcycles down there, and they're not just badass, they're built by dudes that are, like, legitimate motorcycle builders. I, you know, like, I don't really, uh, like, some straight up, like, Wayne's World type shit, like, not worthy, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I would 100% love, a million times love to be a part of anything like that. It's just feeling like I'm being, like I'm presenting something that's worth it, you know? Um, I got to take the wildflower to Fuel Cleveland, and oh, I was walking around just like, you know, I kept seeing people look at my bike. It's so cool to like stand, by, stand back and like look at, watch people look at your motorcycle, but at the same time, I was walking around looking at other people's motorcycles from, like, a builder perspective, like, just, holy shit, like, I got to step my game up. Like, I don't just got to, like, sort of step my game up. I got to step my game all the way up. You know what I mean? Um, I just sent, uh, I just sent, like, my little thing, form thing to take the bike that I'm building now. Uh, to the congregation this year. Hopefully, I'll be able to to get all that wrapped up. Um, I'm calling it the Genesis motorcycle, the first Old Testament motorcycle. Nice. <laughs> um, now I want to get up with uh, Danny Nero Du over in Italy, try and get some paint done and some other stuff. But yeah, um, that is that is the inevitable goal is to be. You know, one of the one of the elite, I guess. Is that is that like a proper way to say it? One of the elite crowd, you know, what? the popular kids that I, run I around taking their cool ass motorcycles to all these parties and having a blast. Uh, yeah, That's I mean, what I want to do with my life: <laughs> ride motorcycles, party, be a good dad. Yeah, you know? who doesn't want to do that? You know, um, you know, with like Biltwell this year, like uh, Stephen Bates. I don't know if you know Stephen at all from uh, Dixiana. Um, yeah, he he used to work. I think he used to work in at Gusher um, when he was in Nashville, and now he's back down in Alabama. Uh, I met him at the Grundle, and he had this like crazy Virago chopper, and like I I still think that that bike is like one of the coolest bikes I've ever seen because it's fucking wild, you know, and it's just so nicely built, you know, and and he's in Biltwell's uh, Lucky Thirteen, I think it is, like you know, 
And I, I don't know if you're following him at all, but like that Virago that he's building is so fucking nuts. And the dude lost his thumb, the tip of his thumb working on it, you know. So he cast it in resin and put shit. it on his gas cap. <laughs> it's just the craziest Damn. shit, you know. And and he's a super like typical southern dude, just real like low key, you know, kind of funny, tells good jokes, but like kind of shy, you know, and super humble. And and you know, like you talked to him about the bike, and I'm like, man, this is bad. And I go all crazy. I'm like, oh, that's so bad outside. He's like, yeah, thanks, man. You know, <laughs> like, but. But he's doing that thing, you know, and, and I think it's cool because he's building a fucking Virago, like, you know, and, and that's kind of like, again, outsider looking in, being from, you know, like I grew up uh, in in the worst era, especially in the car scene with like hot rods and everything of like, you've got to do everything period correct. You've got to be like, you know, you've got to have vintage red wings. They can't be new red wings and you have to have the right palmade and, you know, like, it's all about style yep. and like your bike or your car is really just like this lifestyle accessory to prove like how period correct you're reliving history, you know? And, and it was really funny when, um, I, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but, uh, what's his name from Pangea speed. Um, he was talking about a certain event that, that has cut off dates on it and called them cosplayers or something. And that was the funniest shit ever because like, I knew exactly <laughs> what he meant. Right. Like I'm like, dude, yeah, these guys are just like cosplaying. Like, you know, it's, it's not about being innovative or pushing the envelope. It's about like trying to recreate something from 50 years ago. And I grew up in an era where that was super big. You know, it was kind of like the beginning of, you know, early bulletproof and it didn't start out that way. Like, Bulletproof started out as young people that wanted to build hot rods and wanted to build cool shit, you know? And so they, like, were building cars, and, and they were primered, and they were, you know, the parts that the street rod guys were throwing away that we could get really cheap. Flathead engines, you know, um, stock Model A axles, you know, roadster bodies that had been cut down from, from sedans or whatever. And they were just building crazy shit because we could get it cheap. And then it becomes a style of its own and people got all wrapped up in like period correct shit and it just went south, you know, and, and I kind of see that happening with the bike world a little bit, you know, because people get hung up on something like disc brakes and I'm like, dude, disc brakes been around for 40 years. Like, how are you going to get on me about having a disc brake <laughs> on a bike that like... It's kind of frustrating <laughs> to say the least. Right, you know, and and so there are people out there that just don't give a fuck and do what they do, and to me that's chopper, right? Like like chopping a Virago, fuck yeah, because Virago motors are fucking good, they're fast, they're reliable, and they're cheap. You know, like why why yeah. would you build a chopper out of that when like my transmission costs more than your whole bike, but you know my transmission has the right casting numbers on it. It's like fuck that, dude. Build a fucking chopper, like you know, and and that's just hard I mean, because you can't just buy shit off the shelf, right? Right. It, it's. I mean, okay. So if I had like uh, uh, just a, an endless pocket, if I had a fuck ton of money, then yeah, I'm sure I would be sitting around like trying to build, you know, like the baller OG, like cool ass chopper from whatever period, you know, with all of the shit from those years and this and that, but. At this point in my life, I'm just a dude that wants to build a cool motorcycle. You know what I mean? Right. The um, 
some of my friends have been like kind of astounded over how little I have in that blue motorcycle. You know, like in the in the green, in the road king, in the green bike. Everything I've done to it, minus the shit that I had to buy, like the front end, the tires, the handlebars, the grips, you know, shit like that. Like the seat on it, I, the seat is an old shovel head seat that I just kept adding foam to, and then I wrapped it with a serape. I moved the, I drilled a hole in the frame and moved the tank up and forward. You know what I mean? Like silly little shit. I made the foot controls and stuff. Shit that I could do, you know? Like I, I kind of came into this motorcycle thing pretty blind, honestly. Like, I, I, the little brother of the group, Dylan, I tell him all the time, my process of building something is super, super, uh, what's the word, rudimentary, like simple. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I try and make it look cool. And if it looks cool, then I figure out how to make it work. You know, like, I don't try and, like, make something that works or make something that all fits together or, or like, oh, this kit came with from this builder on this year for this bike. You know what I mean? Like, it kind of gets silly to me after a while. Right. And, and I'm not trying to – I'm really not trying to knock it because I know some dudes that – it's just like a uh, like an endless well of knowledge. You know what I mean? Right. I don't possess that. I don't have the attention span to remember all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I've got a lot of that, and, and you know, there's people out there that have way more than I do. But I forget sometimes because you know, like being around bikes for 20 years, you just pick up shit, and you you kind of forget that that's not common knowledge. And like, I'll be talking to somebody. Like, I was over at Preston's the other day, and we were talking about some stuff, and, you know, he's got one of those bikes that's, like, a right-side shifter um, that had, you know, but it was a year that, like, Harley had to reverse it to be in compliance with the DOT, so they had all these, like, crazy linkages and shit like that, you know? And I'm like, well, yeah. yeah, you know, this year to this year might work and all this other shit. And he's like, yo, dude, like, how do you know that? Like, I need you to hang out here more often. I'm like, I, I thought everybody knew that. And I forget that they don't, you know, but at the same time, you know, like it took a long time to get that knowledge and it took a lot of buying the wrong parts on eBay, you know, and sometimes it was figuring out how to make it work. And sometimes it was just setting it aside because it may have not worked for the project I was working on this year, but, you know, next year that might be just the part that I needed, um, you know, and, and yeah, adapting things to make fit. That's kind of what it's all about, you know, and. And again, I don't want to bash, you know, people that build traditional style choppers, especially that like 60s Southern California club bike style, because I love it. But I think when you're building a bike like that, the thrill is finding the part, you know, because those are hard to find parts. And that's where you get the thrill. But when it comes to putting it together, they just bolt on because all that shit was like an aftermarket accessory at the time, you know, like Lee shifters were, exactly. were something you bought from a catalog and you bolted on. Like, it's not hard to make a Lee shifter work, but it's fucking hard to find a real one, you know? It, exactly. A hundred percent. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm bashing that because I do think it's cool and I, I do get the thrill of that, but it's a different thrill. Like, you know, whereas when you take something that somebody tells you, oh, that will never work, and you're like, all right, cool, but I'm going to make it work. And then it does work. You're, it's like triumphant. You're just like, fuck yeah, this is the coolest shit ever, you know? So, so it's, it's that has that situation is 
had literally been my almost like my entire motorcycle experience is is people being like, no, man, you can't do that. And then the next time they see me, it's done. Or people being like, no, man, that won't work. And it's like, well, it's literally working right now. Like, I'm doing it. I'm riding it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. you, you, it's such a, for me, it's not like, um, I'm not really like a, contrary to like social media and shit like that, I'm not really like the fuck you type dude. I'm kind of like, reserved but when it comes to motorcycles and when it comes to cars and when it comes to fabbing things and people saying that it won't work i really like to make it work yeah now that's one of the biggest thrills you know and and i'm more of a fabricator than a mechanic so for me you know even doing something that for one of my mechanic buddies would be pretty straightforward like you know opening up a cam chest on a panhead like first time i did that i was scared shitless because i'm like man these parts are really expensive and if i break it i'm fucked because i can't afford to replace it you know but when it comes to chopping something up you know like i'll chop a frame in half without a second thought because i've been pipe fitting for 20 years and it's just pipe to me you know it's it's nothing to fix a frame um but (laughs) something as simple as as changing a cam like when i had my evo i had a, a cam that somebody gave me you know like a nice andrews ev27 cam or whatever and i had the push rods for it and they sat on my shelf for like six months because i was scared to open it up because i was like man if i open this up and i can't get it back together you know i was scared um you know and, and but the funny thing and, and i think the point that i'm trying to get to is that when you're looking at this stuff on social media and you're watching the highlight reel you know, you think that, like, everybody knows what they're fucking doing because you only see the finished product. You don't see, you know, the head scratching and the calling up your buddy and being like, hey, how does this shit work? And, you know, like, when you're coming into it, it just seems like this, there's, like, this barrier of entry now because people are scared to do shit because they only see people that are successful. And they, you know, it's not a lot of people that are going to be like, hey, check out these six pieces that i fucked up making this one piece that works you know? yeah yeah oh my god yeah yeah it just seems like you're uh, scared to fail I've, you know i've tried to explain to people like uh sometimes the kicker cover that i made for the blue bike i made five of those before i got it to work right the um the the linkage that i made for the brake I made it and I had to cut it and rethread it and cut it and rethread it. And it was just, you know, it's endless. I spent so much time literally just sitting on the floor staring at something, trying to build it in my head and then make it. And okay, well, this is close enough to let me, what do I have to modify on this? You know what I mean? And just over and over and over until the process became right you know or started to work right uh, i mean experience is the best teacher and you know i'm i'm so like i was so pissed off because i i thought that i had a turnkey motor and it was ready to run and this is a really funny story um that the 55 that i have if you follow me on instagram you've seen it the gold bike you know with the upsweet pipes mm-hmm. but um when i you know the the motor was built by a guy that i knew new motors and we had swapped out carburetors because he had another customer bike that needed a carb. So he's like, hey, I'm going to pull your carb off of your bike. I'll build you another one. 
And I was like, yeah, cool, no problem, you know. So he took my carb off and gave me another one, and it had that little plug for the vent in the bottom screwed in, and I had never had that vent screw in on mine. So I put the bike back together. I'm finally ready to, like, I'm ready to start this thing up, and it just wouldn't start. And I thought it was, I had a magneto on it. So I was like, well, it must be the magneto, right, because magnetos are always the fucked up part that don't work. So I pulled the magneto out and I put in a electronic ignition to Mallory. I was like, okay, well, this is definitely going to work because this is new shit. <clears throat> it didn't work. I couldn't get to start, you know, and, and I had, I don't know if you know Yard Dog from down that way, you know, but uh, yeah. Yard, Yard Dog was with me and, you know, Yard Dog has been fucking with iron heads and pan heads since the 80s, you know, so, and he couldn't get it. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, you know, I, it should start, you know, maybe something else. And everybody had different ideas. And uh, Z-Man was like, well, is your frame grounded, you know? And I was like, yeah, it's all grounded. Everything's good. It should start. And, and like, I had like 20 dudes trying to help me start this bike and nobody could get started. And, I, you know, finally I ended up saying, fuck it. And uh, the funny thing was, is it was that plug in the carb. Then and that's what it was. It was. I put a uh, I put a lowbrow air cleaner on it that blocked that hole. And it says right on the SNS instructions. I think it's line fourteen. If you're using aftermarket air cleaner, remove this plug. But I didn't put the plug <laughs> in, so I didn't know I needed to take it out. You know, and I never read that far into instructions because I've been messing with SNS carbs for fucking fifteen years. I already thought I knew everything, and uh, it turns out it was that plug, right? So. In that Mallory ignition, in between changing out all the ignitions, I, somehow, like, the little drift pin in it had come out, and it bent the shaft and shattered the gear inside of my, my oh, gear chest. And so I had to break all that shit open, you know? And, and like I said, I'm a very nervous mechanic because, you know, I, I've never had this much money into a motor before. And I was, you know, I'm more of, like, a 1500 Sportster wreck guy that, like, builds something out of that. I was so scared, you know, and, and so I get this thing apart and I yeah. see all these metal chunks and I'm like, fuck, I got to rebuild the whole motor now. There's metal chunks in here. And, and you know, I ended up getting all that stuff out and figuring out how to put it back together, you know, and and I figured out that, that screw thing. And as soon as I got it all back together and I just went back to points, you know, I said, screw the magneto, screw electronic ignition. I'm putting points in here because points are easy to troubleshoot, right? So I put those in there, yeah. and then it fires up, you know? And, like, I'll tell you, that is the best feeling ever because I thought I was doomed and that I broke the motor, and I was like, fuck, I, sh I, do I don't deserve this bike. I should just be riding an 883 Sportster, <laughs> you know? like. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it fired up, and, and then when I actually got to ride it, you know, I was like, fuck, yeah, like, you know, because I, I did something I was scared to do, I was scared to get into it, but I pushed that envelope. I got past my comfort zone, and I was actually able to do it, you know, and that was the wildest feeling, man. Like, it doesn't get better than that, you know? It's, uh, no, it, it really doesn't get better than that. It's all right. Sorry. Son is at the door. I had to let him in. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully people listening, you know, if, if you get anything out of this conversation, it's, you know, do shit. Don't, don't be scared. Don't be worried about failing, you know, like, because no matter how bad you fuck up, you can always fix it. You're working on it anyway. How badly are you going to set yourself back if you have to redo it, you know? Yeah, 
Well, and a, a real big one for me is just do what do what you think is cool. You know what I mean? There's, there's, I see a lot of people doing a lot of the same things, and that's cool. If you think that's cool, fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Like, hey, who am I? You know what I mean? But I'm doing, I see people building shit out of what they have or just, you know, building what they want to build, and they're so much happier. You know what I mean? I've also seen people try and build... Uh, like super correct stuff and uh, baller stuff, I guess would be the word to say, with like different parts and this and that. And at the end of it, they're just kind of frustrated with how much money they have in something that it's a topper. It's only going to halfway run anyway, you know? Right. And, and the way that that normally goes is that, from what I've seen, is that like, you know, you build it and then you're like, all right, cool, it's built. Everybody thinks it's rad. You know, and then you end up selling it to fund the next one anyway. And nobody, exactly. I don't care who you are, unless like you have somebody else financing you, you're going to lose money. <laughs> like, you, there's no money in building motorcycles. Like, you know, and it, even you know, like, like you look at, uh, I'll, I'll use uh, what's his name, uh, Matt Jackson, right? Like, people are like, "Fuck, Matt Jackson mm-hmm. sold that bike for eighteen grand," but you know, like that guy's got so much money into those bikes because of those parts and everything. I'm like, yeah, but what's his profit margin? Like there's not a, exactly. There's yeah. not a big profit margin in knuckleheads because they're already fucking expensive. They're expensive to build. They're expensive to buy. Like, you know, like nobody's yeah. making money. Nobody's getting rich on this shit. You want to get rich, sell drugs, you know, don't build choppers. <laughs> right. <laughs> So yeah, if you think that you're gonna make money on that build that you're doing, like you're not. Like if you break even, you did fucking awesome. You should pat yourself on the back if you broke even, you know. Well, and so and okay, like when the Old Testament thing came about, it was really like none of us are trying to get. Everybody's going to keep doing like their regular job, you know. Yeah, of course it would be. It's like a fucking dream to have you know, like my own shop doing my own thing and be making money. But the reality of it is if I can just keep building motorcycles, I'm happy. You know, if I can just keep producing my silly ideas, I'm I'm stoked as fuck, you know? Right, and I think that's what it's about, you know, is that we're all just trying to basically fund our own hobby. You know, if you can make enough money off yeah. the top to keep going with what you got going, that's fucking rad, you know? But if you're smart, like, you get into wholesale and you, like, sell other people's stuff and you make, like, five or ten bucks a pop on every, you know, license plate bracket or box tail light or whatever it is that you're selling, like, you know, um, lowbrow, like, those guys are fucking geniuses because, you know, they manufacture shit. Like, I, I buy from lowbrow all the time because they just always have that random fucking thing that I need because they build bikes and they know what I need because they needed it too, you know, and... and you know, like stupid shit, like, well, and like it's D-hole feasible. tabs, you know? You know, like, they're, they're weld-on bungs. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's easier to buy a pack of weld-on bungs than it is to make them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and then there's the accessibility thing. I mean, you know, I mean, I can't afford to, you know, have that amount of shop space that a lathe takes up to be able to manufacture that for myself, you know? Like, it just, it just mm-hmm. it's better to buy it, you know? Um, yeah, a lot of that shit, you know, and, and 
it's kind of you know like getting into the building custom bike thing you know when when you're doing a lot of one-off shit then yeah you definitely need that equipment but you'd be amazed at, at what you could build with just like you know a, a harbor freight grinder and you know a tool set from pep boys <laughs> and a lot of motivation like you can build almost anything with that you know do you uh do you follow um wannabe fabrication uh, i do yeah great stuff i mean did you see the i think it was like i don't even remember how thin it was it was super fucking thin and he was talking about doing it with his harbor freight bandsaw yeah i thought that was pretty badass no definitely and then there's somebody that i just found recently um she's out on the west coast uh and I, if I can find her Instagram here, I'll, I'll give her a shout out. But she's building, I think she's building a shovel head right now, and she's building all this stuff out of stainless. And, like, the stuff that she's building, like, even little stuff like, like, for instance, a top motor mount. You know, like, you can buy a top motor mount for 30 bucks, you know. Um, but mm-hmm. she, she's building it out of stainless. And then, like, when you see the finished product, it looks like sculpture. Like it's so clean and so polished and smoothed out, you know, and it's like next level shit. And, you know, she's just getting after it. Um, and then one of the things that she's doing is, uh, her gas tank, you know, she's got this like set up with the, uh, doing like the molding with like the, the round stock in the gas tank. And she's showing her process as she's, uh, sands it down and stuff. And she's doing incredible work. Uh, her Instagram is, this is funny. Uh, we're definitely not going to get a PG rating on, on iTunes for this, but her Instagram is Skull Tits, and I think she's up in uh, Seattle. <laughs> but check her workout. Like, she's, you know, I, I don't know what she does. I don't know a lot about her. I just found her kind of on Instagram through somebody else reposting something. Um, and she's got a really killer, uh, like an XS650 that she built that's just insane. Um but yeah, it's like I am know. so in love with XS650. Oh man, don't don't get me started. <laughs> that is one of the coolest <laughs> motors ever made. Like, and and they used to be so cheap, and I'm so bummed that they're like they've gotten to where they're at Sportster prices now, which is still pretty cheap. But like, I mean, I well, yeah, I think I saw one in New ones, Jersey. You know? um, I can't, I can't remember that guy's Instagram, but it was like 750 bucks, I think. No, I, I remember when they were like 300 and and complete, you know. Um, that was in the 90s and 2000s, and, and people have definitely caught on to them. Luckily, I think the Cafe Racer thing is kind of like fizzled out, which is good because a lot of people were fucking up really good bikes and doing stupid shit with them. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm kind of glad. I mean, and, and not knocking. I love Cafe Racers when they're done right. But, like, these dudes were, like, not sure if they wanted to build a bobber or a Cafe Racer or they would wanted to just fucking destroy something. But they mostly just destroyed them. <laughs> I have seen some pretty bad nightmare motorcycles. And I'm not talking. I mean, I'm one of those guys. My dad uh, my dad's one of those like old school Volkswagen dudes that was like super cheap about shit. Yeah. And he's always like, Oh man, if, as long as you're, as long as you're having fun, that's all that matters. As long as you're having fun. So sometimes I see dumb things on motorcycles and I'm like, Oh, well, 
as long as they're having fun, you know. But at the same time, it's they're like the excesses. They're they're kind of getting pretty hard to come by. Oh, especially like a stock one, like. I mean, and, and mm-hmm. that's one of those bikes that if if you had kept one and you managed to keep it all original, especially certain years, and same thing with Hondas, too. I mean, like early CB750s and 550s and 350s and stuff, they've gotten up there in prices if they're all original because so many people have modified them because there were so many of them and they were so cheap, you know? And I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I'm all about modifying shit if you finish the project. But exactly, you know, there's and so they're just like finished right, you know, right. And, and that's the thing that kind of like kills me is when I'm looking through now and I'm just like, you know, and, and it kills me because it's like the key words that they're throwing in there, you know, and, and, and then you read the descriptions. And, and I don't mean to sound like an elitist asshole, but like, you know, chopping a fender does not make something a bobber, like, it just means that you fucking chopped up a fender, you know, like. <laughs> Right, <laughs> and and you know you can get into debates about what a bobber actually is or isn't or whatever, but it doesn't matter. Like if you take a fucking '80s standard Japanese motorcycle and you fucking remove the rear fender and you put ape hangers on it, it's not a bobber. It's just a fucked up bike now. You know, like yeah, it's like a halfway build. Right, and, and you can build cool bikes out of them. Like you know, guys do like amazing shit. I go back to the Virago thing, like, I think it's, it's kind of a neat platform to build with because they're so weird with that, like, in, you know, integrated frame to the motor thing. But, like, the guys that, that build the cafe racers out of the Viragos, like, those are some really slick-looking bikes when they're done right, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. But there's a lot of dudes doing them wrong because <laughs> they're cheap, you know? But yeah. We all start somewhere, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, if, if people you know, went back and, and, and were able to find old pictures of my shit, they'd probably laugh too. So everybody's got a journey to go through, you know, but yeah. And everybody's got to start somewhere. Um, so here is the road King. I was just talking about this the other day. Somebody was talking to me about grinding stuff and I was like, Oh, you can't just like go into it. And I was telling them, I tried to make some solid struts for my Road King in the shape of a lightning bolt. So I looked, I finished one of them, and it's hanging up in my shop, and I see this thing all the time, and when I see it, I'm like, man, dude, you came a long way. You know, like, when you start out, you can do some dumb shit. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, away from the mic there. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, and we all go through that. And and I don't mean to, you know, uh, one of the things I try to keep in mind is I don't know who listens to the podcast, right? And it's like, you know, when I'm bullshitting with my buddies and I can kind of gauge where everybody's at and I know when I'm coming off as an asshole and when I'm not, you know, I definitely don't want to say anything on the podcast that, like, you know, some, like, 17-year-old, dude is listening to her or or 17 year old woman or whatever and and have them be like oh fuck and then get disheartened you know like we all started there embarrassing shit like you know (laughs) i did stupid shit with my first motorcycle i had a uh i went out and and i bought my my first motorcycle i was like 20 years old I i was stationed in san diego i didn't have a car me and my wife at the time were sharing a car 
and I was riding the bus, and I was like, fuck this, I'm buying a motorcycle. So I went out and I bought a W650 Kawasaki, which is one of the coolest motorcycles Kawasaki built in the 2000s. And it was like, it looked like a Tramp Bonneville, you know, and all my buddies had like yeah. these really cool cafe racers, and you can't just buy parts for a W650. You can now, but then you couldn't. And I wanted my bike to look like a cafe racer because I really liked those. But they had all these weird things with it that made it really hard, you know. And so, like, I did stupid shit. Like, I was like, all right, well, you know, like, I'll put these bars on there, but I'll flip them upside down. So they're kind of like Clubman bars. And then I found a set of, like, upswept, and this is when, like, no shit, like, you used to be able to buy the cocktail shakers, like, for, I think they were, like, 60 bucks a set for, like, MCM Supply. Super cheap. Right, and they were stupid cheap, right? And and I bought a set of those, and I was like, cool, I'm going to chop off my mufflers, I'm going to put these slip-ons on, you know? And this is early K-Trick Kawasaki fuel injection, which is kind of weird, uh, and if you you work on metrics, so maybe you've come across it before, but like when fuel injection first came out and like bikes were kind of like half ass carbureted, half ass fuel injected, they were weird and and they didn't have like, <laughs> they didn't have an open loop. So like if you fucked with something, it really fucked them up. I found out because I chopped those mufflers yeah. off and I put the slip ons on and it completely fucked up like the fuel air ratio mix. Which, you know, like I've always been told, well, as long as you don't fuck with the air cleaners, you're okay on the exhaust side. You can do whatever you want to the exhaust, just don't fuck with the air cleaners. And that's not true. Not the case. Not true on Kawasaki. So I ended up floating a valve, you know. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, no, I fucked that bike up. And, I mean, it it only had like 18,000 miles on it when I got rid of it. But it was hammered. Like, (laughs) you know. Just slapped out. Yeah, I mean, because I rode the shit out of it, and and I did stupid shit to it, and I definitely ruined that motorcycle, you know? And when I ended up getting But you had a fun ton of fun, right? Oh, man, it was great. But when I traded it, I traded it for an 88 Jixxer slingshot that, like, had, like, stage four. It was fast as fuck, but it didn't have second gear. (laughs) (laughs) So I I went from, like, a 2000-something W650 to, to a Jixxer 750 slingshot, with like like it was like a seven eleven conversion. It was the scariest thing ever, but it had no second gear. So it was a lot of fun to ride, you know? It leaked oil all over yeah. my pants and I think it leaked worse than any shovelhead I've ever owned. Uh and it was a Suzuki. So people that think that Suzuki's don't leak oil, go buy an old oil cold Jixer and, and tell me how that works out for you. <laughs> right? Yeah, they're definitely pissers, for sure. But they're fast and they're fun, so that's yeah, and that's I mean that's really what the whole thing comes down to is as long as you're having fun doing whatever you're doing, you know what I mean? Right. But I've I've had people tell me that the blue bike that I built, I've had people tell me that that's one of the coolest motorcycles they've ever seen in their life. I've also had people tell me that that's one of the stupidest motorcycles that they've ever seen in their life. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. I don't know which one I'd so, be more stoked to hear. I, I think that uh, I, I'd be happy to get either one. So, yeah, it's, it's like I sit down and I look at the pictures of the motorcycle and I'm stoked on it. So you know, like what if if I if I can please myself, I guess that's the goal. Right. 
I mean, and, and that's kind of the thing that I think people, and even myself, like, I've lost sight of that. Like, I'm not even going to lie about it and try to sound cool. Like, when I'm building shit, you know, like, there's a point where you're happy, and then you start overthinking shit and start thinking about, like, well, what can I do to make this better or what can I do to make it cooler? And then you start changing shit mm-hmm. to make other people happy, you know? And, and like, I, I keep going back to my bike, but that's a perfect example of it. Like, there was a point where I put it together and I was like, fuck yeah, this thing's awesome. And then I started getting, like, self-conscious about stupid shit. And I was like, oh, I got to change this, I got to change this, or that's not right, you know? And... And it's harder when you're building an older bike because, like, I think that there's a level of expectation also. You know, it's like when you're building a flat-side shovel, there's a lot of examples out there of people that built really, really fucking nice ones. And you want to be at least as nice as them. But at the same time, if you don't have the money or the skill set, like, you know, and and it can turn into keeping up with the Joneses thing. And I catch myself doing that all the time. Like, I change front ends constantly because I'm like... You know, like, really what I want is, like, a 4 over 33.4 with a hamburger on it. But I can't afford that. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to put the snail glide on. And then I'm like, oh, well, you know, I can put this wide glide on. And at least, you know, like, wide glide looks a little bit better with this flat side shovel because, you know, it doesn't look like a Sportster front end from the 90s. It looks like something that kind of they had in the 60s, you know. And I do it. Yeah, you it, know. It, No, I was just uh, kind of rambling on with that, that we all do that, you know, and you shouldn't feel bad about doing it because everybody fucking does that. And social media is a factor on that because, you know, like it was so much easier when I first got into bikes and I knew like six dudes with choppers because I was only in my head competing with six dudes, you know, like now I'm like, oh man, this looks fucking awesome. I did a kick-ass job. And then like, I see somebody else's build. I'm like, fuck, they did it so much better. Like I got to do it better now. And that drive is awesome, you know, and like we're all competitive to some degree, whether you're, you want to admit it or not, we all want to build something badass, you know, and it's healthy. So, but I, I refer to the blue bike a lot as, like, a diploma for me. Like, that's kind of how I felt about it. Because I finished it, and I took it, and I was super nervous about, like, the... I was super nervous about, like, the OT dudes at the congregation seeing the bike and what they were going to think about it and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And there was, like, three or four people there that came up to me and told me, like, it was a really cool bike, and it meant a lot to me like personally that they thought it was a cool motorcycle and so like there is like that drive you know like oh I want to build I want to build stuff that is cool to the people that I think are is cool you know what I mean but I also want to build things that's cool to me yeah and I guess it's just all in what is available honestly no, and, and that's healthy, you know, because, like, I mean, realistically, if we just wanted something that was fun to ride and was reasonably fast, we would just all go ride stock bikes. Like, you know, yes. blowing minds is what Choppers has always been about, you know? So, like, you, sh- you shouldn't be embarrassed about it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we are all doing it for that reason. That's part of it. But, you know, don't lose sight of the fact that Choppers are a lot of fucking fun to ride and... 
building something to ride is cool too, you know. So, yes, they are a lot of fucking fun. I've had so many people tell me. I've had a lot of people say that the green bike is cool, but I've had a shit ton of people tell me that I ruined a perfectly good motorcycle. <laughs> and I tell them all the time, like, man, I rode the motorcycle when it was 100% stock, and it was comfortable, and it was really, really fast. But now it's super, super sketchy, and it doesn't stop all that great, and I miss gears all the time, and it's really, really heavy, but it's a whole lot of fun, you know what I mean? I think one of the coolest things that you ever posted, and you might not even remember posting it, but I definitely remember, is that you said, you know, a bike's not done until you've put some miles on with your brothers. Um, And that's something that when I saw that, I was like, yeah, right the fuck on. I mean, that's true, right? Like... You know, it's cool to build something in your garage and ride it around the neighborhood, but, like, if you haven't taken it somewhere and really experienced it out on the road with your friends, you know, brothers or sisters or whatever, you know, like, it it doesn't, it's not done, like, because otherwise it's just a piece of sculpture that serves no purpose, you know, you gotta get out, you gotta ride them, you gotta do fun shit with your friends, and then it takes it to a whole nother level, like, there's nothing better than that, I think, so... Uh, so like a million percent I agree with that the, the blue, I'm a rag on myself like the blue bike is honestly like just a piece of art at this point the green bike that's the bike that I've had the most fun with I've been everywhere with that motorcycle and I've got to ride with all of my friends on that motorcycle and I've got to do some really stupid things on that motorcycle. I have a lot of great memories with it. You know what I mean? I'm I'm really looking forward to this coming summer. I want to ride the blue bike a whole bunch, and I want to you know like develop that little bond with that motorcycle, and then build another one and develop that little bond. You know, they're almost like motorcycles are kind of like your best friends. You know, right. It's a lot like a relationship, you know. You get out of it what you put into it. Uh, it's really frustrating sometimes, but the reward, you know, when it goes right is amazing too, you know. So, yeah, best friend's a good one. Relationship's a good one, you know. Like, I, I know yeah. a lot of people that refer to them as their mistress, you know. <laughs> but well, I mean, it really, you know, like, it, it, it really is... Uh, you become, it's like an extension of yourself, you know, like Will Jones. Will Jones has um, has that super long front on his bike, and I, he let me ride it one time, and I was all over the place with it. But I asked him several times, like, dude, hop on my bike, and he'd be like, oh, man, fuck that. I don't want, like, <laughs> that thing, it looks cool, but it's super heavy, you know? Right. So it's like... You get used to what you're riding. You get used to your motorcycle, and you keep building it to, like, accommodate you, you know? Right. Yeah, and I mean, like, yeah, my bike is, you know, it's pretty sketchy. Like, but I'm used to it, and, you know, like, I've got my brake set up so that my brake pedal works as my foot rest, you know? And other people are like, man, your brake pedal sits really far back, you know? Like, and it's fine for me. Like, it's perfect, you know? But... For other people, yeah, it's it's you know it's in a weird spot that you're not used to. So, yeah, you know, having yeah. that, that tailored fit to yourself is is one of the cooler things I think. 
being able to like get on the bike and be just as comfortable on the first mile as you are on like the 600th mile you know we're just not like just as comfortable of course you're gonna be like tired and sore and shit but you're still like you're not I'm bit, like when I first started riding the green bike I was like squirming everywhere and like trying to find the sweet spot and yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. So yeah, so um well shit, man. Uh I think maybe I think we're uh we're getting near the mark where we need to start wrapping stuff up. So uh definitely covers all the bases. Yeah, well no, I mean not you I'd love to have you on again. Um you know, and, and definitely looking forward to catching up with you this season. Um I know we're gonna be hitting a lot of the same events, so I'm I'm looking forward to hitting up with you in, in person, but um, you know, just to wrap it up, man. So, you know, uh, what are you looking forward to? What do you got going on? And, uh, any shout outs you want to give out? Yeah. Uh, so OTM, uh, Old Testament motorcycles, we're going to have, we're going to have t-shirts and shift knobs and, you know, little different parts here and there, sissy bars and some of the, um, the super skinny, uh, Cobra seats that I do, um, and we're going to be giving some of those away uh, at the back at the back road. Um, we're going to be giving some away at Four Rivers and giving some away at Grundle. Um, Old Testament's going to hopefully, if nothing else, we're definitely going to be at the congregation. We're all going to be there, riding motorcycles and having a good time and partying with all the homies. Um, you want to try and make it up to Virginia a lot this year. Uh, like I said, I started back at Honda. So this, the tail end of this last year, I had to like, you know, be an adult about stuff. But this coming year, I think we're, you know, getting all the dates lined up and, and trying to get everything worked out. Um, as far as shout outs go, man, like there's almost too many to, to count. Like, Shout out to you. Shout out to Old Testament. Shout out to Little Dylan for putting up with all my shit. Uh, fucking shout out to, to Little Josh for being the mid-state little brother. Shout out to Zach Gibbon. Shout out to the Georgia boys, the, all the long brothers doing that wild yes. shit. <laughs> Will Jones just left my ass and went down to Florida not too long ago, and I missed that motherfucker like crazy. Shout out to all the Shade Tree dudes and even the Shade Tree guys that don't like me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I fucking, I love everybody. I, the whole motorcycle thing is just one big sandbox, and I wish all of us could get together and just do some wild shit, you know? Like, we're, we're all into the same shit. We might not be exactly into the same things, and we may have, like, little differences here and there, but this isn't high school, and it's, it's not, you know, like, it's not any kind of wild shit. I'm just trying to hang out and party, you know? So shout out to fucking everybody. Yeah, right on, man. I dig that. And, uh, yeah. Definitely uh, concur on all that. And if you're in Virginia in the Hampton Roads area, you know, you can always hit me up. You got a place to stay here. Uh, I know Richmond, we can find a place for you. Um, there, there's some awesome shit going on in Richmond. Uh, honestly, probably more than Hampton Roads, but, you know. <laughs> Richmond's a good yeah, well, and, and shout, I want to shout out to a, a real hitter, another Corey, um, real quick. So this is super fucking funny. So 
I was at the congregation this past year, and I was walking uh, back from Zach Gibbons' van, and I was walking past Corey, Engine Corey from Engine Frank. Right. And um, I walked up to him, and I was like, yeah, we followed each other. We followed each other on Instagram, so we kind of knew who each other were. And I walked up to him, and I was like, yo, what's up, man? And I stuck my hand out, and I was like, come Corey. And he was like, I'm Corey. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm Corey. And he was like, what? And I was like, no, my name's Corey. And he was like, my name's Corey, too. <laughs> yeah, Corey's good people, man. Uh, Nartok, which, you know, they definitely don't need a shout out. They've got way more listeners than I do. But Corey's a good buddy of mine. Super fucking rad dude. Um, you know, and and Lori, who's the real brains behind the operation, <laughs> she keeps uh, she keeps the lights on up there. Um, if you haven't been to their shop, go check out Engine Frame. Um, and now, you know, they've paired up with uh, Josh Knoll, so they've got a ton of vintage parts there. And Josh's prices on on that shit are unreal. I mean, you know, shit. I'm not. I'm not saying that you should go to Engine Frame and buy shit and then list it on on other sites and make money, but you could because Josh's prices are reasonable. You should. Enough. Yeah, I mean, he he's not trying to make a killing. He buys shit in lots, but like you know, you go into Engine Frame now and they've got a nice little setup. They've got a whole area that's just all vintage parts that Josh has brought in. And like, there's they're cheap enough that you can go and buy like a Wassel tank, and if you wanted to sell it online, you can make fifty bucks, you know. Um, yeah. And I, I definitely don't encourage people to do that because I like that you can go <laughs> get shit at reasonable prices. But you could, and if that's your gig, you know nobody's gonna get mad at you for it. But um, yeah, they've got a great selection now, uh, and then. You know, Corey also he picked up a uh, he's got a home now, so he's doing cylinders and and valve guides and uh, line boring for like engine cases and shit. He's doing that in house now, so definitely worth. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's doing all the all the big boy stuff now. Yeah, I mean they, they're coming up definitely, and uh, you know the rad thing their turnaround times really quick and they're honest about shit. They're gonna give you the straight, you know. So definitely, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all about supporting engine and frame and, and Corey and Lori, they do great stuff there. So I'm, I'm glad you gave them a shout out and gave me a little soapbox there to say my piece on that. So, but yeah, man, well, cool. yeah. I'm definitely excited to see what, uh, old Testament is up to. And, uh, when you guys do release shirts, you know, definitely save an extra large for me. I will buy it. I buy everything at retail. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm not a podcast rock star. I don't take anything for free. If I get a zine or or a t-shirt or anything, I pay for it or I trade something for it. So, um, you know, I definitely want to support people. Um, So, yeah, I'll pay retail for it. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah, brother. We fucking love y'all, man. All right, appreciate it, man. All right, well, cool. Well, I'll talk to you for a second offline, but I'm going to go ahead and end it here for our listeners, and then I'll say goodbye to you in person.